Count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Trying to try told him I'm a beast, bud. What's up, gang? Welcome back to another episode of the Grindcast. Get ready. It's a new day. And what we're going to do for this one is we're going to be sharing. I was just down in Florida at one of the hottest offices and hottest organizations in the country right now, our Tampa, Florida location, led by Mark Bernsdorf, Spencer Cose, and a bunch of absolute superstars. So hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. They had me on their podcast, and it was a real honor. All right, what's up, everybody listening in here? This is Spencer Cose with Arius Organization. We're based out of Tampa. And uh, today I'm occupied with Brian Colarusso, one of the managers on our team, Jake Taylor, another leader slash manager on our team. And then we were blessed enough to have the CEO of the entire organization, Simon Arias, in the house with us as well. So thank you for uh, coming out here, Simon. Man, thank you for having me at the hottest office in the country for what we do. So it's an honor to be here, and I'm so proud of you guys. Yes, sir. So I figured we'll just take this opportunity. I know I've spent a bunch of time with you. Brian and Jake haven't had a ton of time with you, but to just pick your brain and ask you a bunch of questions that can be beneficial for us in our journey in the business. And then for also people listening, whether they're in the business, thinking about joining the business, have no idea what we do and kind of just want to learn. Hearing uh, for them to be able to hear from you and your wisdom since you've been in the business for over 17 years is just going to be beneficial for everybody. So uh, we have a bunch of questions for you, and we're just going to go around and ask them and then learn in the process. I like it. So my first question is, how did you initially get recruited into the life insurance business? By the grace of God. By the grace of God. Uh, I, I had a business class. I was playing uh, Division II football at a school in Pennsylvania, Erie, Pennsylvania, Mercyhurst University. Uh, got redshirted my first year, started strong safety for the next four years, and we had a business class, and I crammed. I waited to the last second. We had to do an interview. We had to make a resume, prove that you did an interview, and last second I did all this in a week with, like, the help of some friends and put my resume online. This company calls my resume. I have no other option. I drive to Cleveland, Ohio, in the middle of nowhere, two hours away, on a Friday, I just, I got to get this interview done. Now at this time, I already had my real estate license in, in the great state of the sunshine state of Florida. Mm -hmm. My heart was always in Florida. And, uh, I had no, I, I didn't think I was going to possibly take a job from this thing, you know, mm -hmm. from this place at all, but I had to do the interview. I did the interview and I hit it off with the gentleman that did my interview who would, uh, end up being my coach. And, and one of my best friends, you know, to this day, mm -hmm. uh, Marcus Smith. And, um, man, my spirit told me the guy was real. You know, by the time I got done, and it wasn't like I just got sold because, you know, I grew up in an environment where I grew up fast, and it and, and it, it's hard. It was harder even at 22 to hustle me. I, I, I grew up around hustlers, you mm -hmm. know, so I could read people. And my read on this guy was he was legit. That every whatever he was telling me was legit and what he was telling me was about the residual income and opportunity unlimited you know to control your own destiny and the amount of income that I would be able to make you know and stuff like that and coming from an environment where I was you know getting off right off the football field I loved that I would be in control of my own destiny and so everything that he was saying from the connection we had you know where he understood sports to unlimited opportunity to the energy that he gave off my spirit told me that the guy was legit and so I went from just kind of 
cramming an, uh, an interview just to show it for a class to by the time I left there, I was seriously considering making this uh, an opportunity that I was going to take advantage of. And, you know, when I when I spun it around and I started to consider it, I still had a couple months left of school. And uh, most people in my family were against it. You know, they didn't think it was real, didn't make sense. Uh, getting into the insurance industry. I was one of the first people to get through, you know, with a uh, four-year degree in a normal period of time out of my family. Mm-hmm. The only person that supported me was my mother. And my mom said, you know what, Simon, if if you feel that strongly, you know, about it, I believe in you. And you're young. And if you're going to take a risk and do something different, this would be the, the time to do it, not wait till you're 30, 40 years old to start betting and and taking gambles and risks. If you're, you're 22 years old, you'll get one year experience at the very worst. If that's what your heart's telling you to do, give it a year. And worst case scenario, you leave with experience and you go do something else. But I think if you feel feel like you should do it, I support you. Go give it a shot. So she was the only one uh, that, that said to do it. And then I had to finish out the rest of my uh, school year there. And I started in December of 2005. Wow. I have a question on that going back to Marcus recruited you, Marcus Smith, right? Yep. And so you guys have a wonderful relationship. You always say that he's the godfather of your children. So how was it you say that you knew he was legit, you really meshed with him and got along with him. It's a little bit different for us because Brian and Spencer, best friends growing up. Yep. I knew Spencer and he knew me before we even knew that we knew each other. Our grandparents were best friends complete different dynamic for you there do you think that he felt the same way about you or did you did it take you a while for you to really earn that respect back from Marcus because how was that dynamic when it first started yeah I had to earn earn his respect you know for sure coming out of the gates and uh just with results like any other coach you know he wasn't there to make friends uh we made friends because of the results you know, and, and uh, I just came in where I believed in him as a coach and uh, to the point where I, I was so all in committed on what I was going to do that I signed a 12 month lease before I ever made a dollar from the company, uh, before I ever wrote a piece of business, you know, with the company. And I moved directly like right next door to the office. I wanted to be as close as I could possibly be to the office. And so our, our relationship started out really just player coach. And I just tried to be the hardest working person that he ever coached. I tried to be the most coachable person that he ever coached. And to this day, uh, I think if you ask Marcus, you know, in in his 20 plus years, you know, who's worked the hardest and was the most coachable, I'm usually, you know, number one, you know, still to this day. And so I think the relationship came from the results and the respect that I showed to the position. And even as as our relationship would grow to, to where we developed a friendship, I always had a professional respect for the position. And I never overstepped that boundary. You know, I, I think a lot of people, once they start to develop a relationship, you know, with, with their coach or with somebody in business, they don't know how to separate the two. You know, they, they want to be friends and do the business at the same time to where it would, they cross the line and want to be two friends, you know, too much friendly where they disrespect the position. They don't want to listen as much anymore. It'll make certain comments in public, you know, like their friends around people. I've never, ever done that uh, with Marcus until, you know, maybe over a decade in the game, you know, where it was clear that we had crossed that line over to like brothers, you know what I mean? And friends in the business more than, more than anything. But in the beginning for, 
you know, even a decade, you know, I would say I just always had respect, even though he had uh, a friend relationship with me, I always just kept the respect of, of, uh, of the position. And, you know, to, to what you're talking about with you and Spencer, first of all, I would tell both of your grandfathers, they've done a great job uh, with their grandchildren. And I hope my grandchildren, you know, turn out like you guys. And I mean that sincerely, uh, having three children of my own right now. And, uh, but I would say, you know, I, I've had the pl- the pleasure to have friends of mine that would join this business and uh, a few of them that have had major success. And I could think, I could think of some that couldn't handle that we were once friends and now we're in business and, and we had to have a player coach role. And I have some friends that were able to, to evolve in that respect to where, all right, you were my friend. We did go to college together. Um, I do know you when you were young, bong and beers, you know, yes. and, and I'm able to put that to the side and respect that position and, and follow you now as a coach. And the friends that didn't, that couldn't make that, uh, they couldn't adapt to that, are no longer uh, with our organization. Uh, some of them are with the company. And the ones that were able to make that transition um, have made millions of dollars, you know, in the industry. And I've always showed them, you know, respect and love and care on the way up. But I think that's a challenge for a lot of people that get into into business as friends, when you start to, to, to have that relationship is how do I have manage that relationship as we're coming up in business? Mm-hmm. I got something to say on top of that, just a, a thought I had, but I think one of the coolest things about the business is being able to recruit your friends and you can teach your friends to make a lot of money and everything like that. The downside to that, that's not a downside is people that aren't your friend might think, Oh, I'm not Spencer's friend or I'm not Simon's friend. <clears throat> I'm scared to hit him up about this opportunity because he might, you know, it might be different for his friend than it would be for me. And something cool I've realized after I've been doing it for three years is some of the best people that hit me up and are now currently on the team, like Noah Von Gundin, Zach Marshall, Tyler Lala, like some of our top income earners. Three stars. Don't know. I didn't know them before the business. They didn't know anybody that knew me. They just saw me on Instagram. We got on the phone. We connected. Like you said, you connected with Marcus. And I felt their energy, they felt mine, so they took a risk on themselves. And now they're some of the best people on the team versus other people that were like my high school friends. Come, They come into it, and we were friends in high school because we did you know dumb stuff in high school, but they may have never adapted to being able to work hard and be disciplined and stuff like that. So they end up not making it, but the person that never met me ends up making a ton of money, which is something cool. And it's cool to know that you're the CEO of the whole organization and you didn't know anybody coming into the business. It was just a random interview that you were doing. You ended up feeling the dude's energy. You saw the opportunity, and then you ran with it without knowing anybody in the business. You know, I always say I was a walk-on. Exactly, yep. So Not a scholarship cool. athlete. I had no friends, no family, nobody in the business. I was a straight walk-on. Yep. Moved hour and a half away from my house with no friends, nobody there. Yep, and that could be a blessing in disguise, feeling like, okay, this dude came into it with his cousin in the business, I'm coming in with nobody. I got a chip on my shoulder because I want to prove that I don't need someone in this business to be successful. All I need is the opportunity. Amen. Do you have a question, bro? Yeah. So I got a question for Simon. It's how much money did you make your first year and how old were you when you started? I started at 22 uh, and I made $187,000 in the dinosaur ages uh, (laughs) 18 years ago. Uh, So I think with inflation, you know, that's probably double. Yep. You know now, but 
back then that was even more money than it is than it is today. Uh, year two, uh, two eighty. Year three, uh, six twenty four. I think was the number. <laughs> and in year four, uh, made my first million. I put seven figures out. And that's and, when it uh, wasn't virtual too. All 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 in people's homes, driving, putting miles, fifty, sixty thousand miles a year on the car, snowstorms, yep. you know, hell or high water. You know, <laughs> we were we were coming. And uh when it would snow, I would tell my team, This is the best time, you know. Mm-hmm. That hurricane oh, yeah. it came through out we would have been out there, you know, like they're gonna That's feel bad point. for you out there <laughs> and you're gonna nobody else is out there, they don't have nothing else to do. This is the best time, you know, to come out there. And uh, man, I could tell you, I'm watching you folks in in your way beyond that. You know, you're you're you know, I'm look, I'm sitting across from Spencer, and you're 22 years old, and and uh, you're gonna you're gonna make more than what I made in my third year at 25. You know, turning 26 years old, you're gonna make more than that. You mm-hmm. know, this year. So that's what I'm proud of, and I'm excited about is is it continues to evolve, and uh, you know, I think it, there comes a point where you know people say it, but they really don't mean it. Uh, I, I hope our people, I, I try to help people make more money than I did in the beginning and, and move up quicker and do things faster. And, mm-hmm. uh, I hope everybody breaks all the records, you know, that, that I've had and I, and I'm, I'm here to help them do it. So if, if you got somebody that blazed the trail and I'm the one coaching you to do it, I, there's no reason why you can't do it. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. kind of on top of that, something that was encouraging to me, another thought just off the top of my head was, uh, you know, coming into it. I was telling my parents, like, yeah, the people that bring me in, they're going to make money off my sales. And people that weren't in sales or don't make a lot of money might be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. It might be a pyramid scheme. Until I understood the fact that the only way they would make money was if I made money. And if I made $0 for the week, the person that brought me in made $0 for the week. So there'd be no point to bring me in. So it was encouraging knowing the people that did bring me in, Greg, Mark, wanted me to make as much money as I possibly could because obviously the little bit of selfishness in them knows the more money I make because they brought me in is going to make them more money. And that's the whole reason for, well, that's one of the main reasons for being in business in the first place. So I was just always confident knowing like they're not hiding anything from me. He's giving me all of his knowledge, all of his wisdom because he wants me to make as much money possible. So in return, he makes more money too. Yeah, that's something I used to get to. And, you know, when people say, oh, it's a uh, pyramid scheme or scam or, you know, or whatever. For, uh, first of all, you know, you look at the, the letters and it's, it's really, it's a good explanation of it. Even though it's a corny and cliche to, to say, it's it, the, the initials scam still confused about money. <laughs> they just don't understand the way that money works and, and that money flows. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, the people... Anybody at a pharmaceutical company or or any sales organization in the world, uh, the the manager is going to get some form of a bonus or some form of compensation based off of how well their sales reps are are doing and the people that they're responsible for providing leadership are doing. And so, if you look at any corporate structure, it looks like a pyramid scheme mm-hmm. anywhere from a Fortune 500 company, which you know, we're owned by uh, Globe Life, which has been around for 100 years. It's very difficult to have more policyholders than any other insurance company in the United States of America and be around for over 100 years. Uh, I don't have any family members or anybody that I personally know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to meet some, but I don't know anybody that I personally know that's alive, you know, 100 years, you know, right now. So 
our company's alive, you know, more than a hundred years and you really won't last that long if you're doing the wrong things, yeah. you know? So it's the company's legit, the company's legal, you know, the company's ethical and you can pass people up. You know, I'm, I'm standing here, I'm sitting here with you. And within my first year, I passed almost everybody up, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I was quote underneath, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, and, and then you have, you know, like, like situations like this week, you know, where, you know, you made, X amount of dollars and, and then, uh, Mark, who's, you know, your leader that brought you in, he made a lot of, of dollars, you know, too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a lot and, and, but you made more than him this week. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're under him and it's a pyramid, why, why, are, why, why are you making more than the person that's on yeah. top of you? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that happens all the time of, of the person at the bottom often, can make more than the person at the top. The mm-hmm. person in the middle could often make more than the, than the person at the top. So I think people just need to get educated on on that, and that's for all different industries. Yep. You know, I, not the the more educated that I got, the more understanding that I got of other people's businesses and other industries, to where I don't look at things because I'm not confused. Mm-hmm. You know, about money, I understand how it flows and, and how it works. Yep, and I think that's a big testimony to the systems and procedures. And the product that we do provide and, you know, service these families because the biggest take, the what blew me away was really this year we started seeing it, especially here in Tampa, in our office, Spencer, was that specifically with Big Bro, with Brian here, is when he came in, he was just an agent and consistently week after week he was out earning people that were leading teams of six, people that were leading teams of ten people because he was simply just outperforming on his own in selling that much and having that much success selling. And then we know how great the company bonus structure is. If you're hitting above quota and you're selling, they're going to bonus you a significant amount too. So he just kept it going and he kept getting free leads, more leads, more sales he was providing. And so that was a huge thing that really, really inspired me this year, seeing how many of the new agents you were bringing on were actually having immediate success and out earning people with teams. It was, it was awesome. You know, that's, you know, that's a testimony to the system. You know, if you, if you look at, well, a lot of these companies that are uh, MLM or, you know, whatever it is, in order to make a lot of money, you have to recruit tons of people. You, You have to keep recruiting a ton in order to make the money here. You don't have to recruit a person. You don't have to recruit one person and you're going to still be able to make a lot of money just by selling directly with the products and oh by the way uh the clients you don't even have to find your own clients mm-hmm. we're giving you the clients yep. you know we're giving yeah. you people to call for free you're not cold calling you're not prospecting you know and stuff like that so i i haven't seen many other businesses that have a model that's easier to launch you know it's not easy to start a business it's not easy to be an entrepreneur i haven't seen many uh, that I've been around, I don't know of any really to where you could start from the bottom with nothing and launch because of all the things that you're given in order to build that business that doesn't cost you a nickel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just got to yeah. get a license. Yep. So Simon, something that I just want to say thank you for and kind of explain. So when I was coming into the business, I looked, I still look up to you, but I looked up to you not only because of the fact that what you were able to do through the business, that's the same business I have an opportunity to get into, like same systems, promotion structure, leads, all that. But when I was looking at you, I was like, he makes a lot of money. He's in shape, great family, kids loves him, wife loves him, just all around 
amazing lifestyle, ton of free time. So basically time and money and happiness and everything like that. Great relationship with the Lord. Um, I was having a conversation with someone a couple weeks back and they were telling me about all their big visions and big dreams with some corporate company they were working with. And my question to them was, is there anybody in that company that's 10 years older than you, 20 years older than you, they've got the experience that you would trade positions with. And they're like, no, all the 60 year olds here, like hate their life, never get to see their kids. They're working all day, stuff like that. So first off, you being able to provide that for me was a huge blessing. And I'm super grateful for that, knowing that this company can provide me that lifestyle. If I just put in the time and the years, that's something I try to do for people now, like young people, someone they can relate to, like if I go hard for three years, I could have what Spencer has making X, Y, Z amount of money while traveling with his girlfriend, driving this car, blah, blah, blah. So my question for you is just what's a couple things, what are your biggest accomplishments you've been able to achieve because of this company? Maybe like a short-term one, maybe after five years, 10 years, just what has this company been able to provide for you now that you're 39 or 40 years old? So it started out, you know, real basic you know, for me, of, of my first accomplishment that the company uh, gave me was the, my mentor, uh, Jim Serace, taught me how to develop a relationship with the Lord. And I think that would serve as the foundation for all the levels of success that I've been able to obtain professionally and personally that has been built upon a rock, you know, the foundation. You know, they say that, you know, there's a story in, in uh, and listen, before I get started, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a perfect individual. You know, uh, once in a while I have a glass of wine, you know, I'll, I'll swear once in a while, you know, uh, I got tattoos, you know, all that. So I'm not saying I'm walking around holier than thou or I'm your local pastor. Uh, (laughs) I'm not, but, but the, I was, I was developed in this business to develop yourself internally first and the external will follow. And, now, as I get older, I understand, you know, there was a story in the Bible about, you know, there was there was a, two people that built their house. You know, one built a house on a rock and one built their house on sand. And the one that built their house on the rock was, was the one that built their house on their faith and their relationship with their creator. And the other one built their house just by themselves on sand with them thinking that they had everything themselves under the control and they didn't need the Lord and, you know, the story says, well, the, the, the storms came and the storms went and the wind blew and the water came and, and, and the one that built their house upon a rock, the house was still standing and the other one wasn't standing. And so, you know, over 18 years of being in business, you know, the, the storms have come and uh, water has risen and hurricanes have come and our house has been standing. And, and I, I believe it'll continue to stand because our foundation is built upon a rock. And it's built on on uh, the foundation of trying to help people spiritually, mentally, physically, and the financially aspect. You know, and we and we talk about it. You know, mm. and we get hated on for it. You know, you got a nice, what's that? What's that truck you got there? G wagon. You got a nice G wagon. <laughs> it's like your fourth car. You know, you've had. You'll make almost a million dollars. You know, and, and and people will they get mad at the flash. You know, or the things that people have and all that stuff. But they they don't realize that you're giving ten percent of everything that you make to the church and the people's lives that are being impacted. That I hope my kid one day has a mentor to look up to that does things that you all are doing for people's children. You know, out there giving them somebody to look up to 
uh, in the right way. You know, you guys are out there. You're not at the clubs every single weekend, home at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, getting tore up and, you know, all these other things. Um, you know, I, I think that's because you're, you're building your foundation on a rock. So for me, the first thing that I got uh, was I learned to build my foundation with, with my develop, developing the relationship with the Lord that mm. has allowed me to handle both the failures and the obstacles that have come, but also handle the successes. You know, I think there, I don't know who it was. Was it Abraham Lincoln? I may mess up where it came from, but uh, there was a quote that said, nearly all men can handle some form of adversity, but if you really want to test a man, give him success. Because it's it, it's difficult when people have success that they can't handle it. Because sometimes your talent can get you to a place where your character can't keep you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the first thing that this company gave me, was they taught me as a young man how to handle the success that would eventually follow by having the right foundation. Uh, from there, it was uh, having the ability to hire people that I cared about um, from my mother to my college teammates to my high school teammates and give them an opportunity in the business. People say, uh, you know, you're recruiting the people or whatever. Yeah, we're recruiting the people, but there's not a lot of places where you can go and say, yeah, I choose to have control. I'm going to hire these five people and you don't got to you don't got to say so in it. You ain't got to ask uh, you know, the CEO of the company or the director of the company, I'm going to bring in these five people and I'm going to change these people's lives. And I have five of my teammates right now that have been with me for over a decade and a half that I changed these people's lives. They've done it, but I introduced them to the opportunity that I had. That was something that this company provided me was mm-hmm. the opportunity to change other people's lives with this opportunity and me be the one in control of making the decision of who's going to get hired you know, in, in this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of course it goes to the financial things, you know, that have been able to happen. I opened up, uh, two youth, youth programs with, with others, you know, I have a board, none of it happened by myself. I didn't do it all. I had a team of people that helped me. A lot of people, blood, sweat, tears, you know, put money into it, but opened up a youth program in my hometown, Youngstown, Ohio, opened up a youth program in Pittsburgh for inner city youth, those were things that were near and dear to my heart, you know, uh, because of where I where I come from, and I could relate to some of those kids. Retiring my mother at fifty some years old to where she works in a very limited capacity, you know, in our company and does some consulting for me and stuff like that. When we open up offices, but other than that, she chooses her own schedule and does whatever she's wanted, and it's been like that for almost a decade, you know, now. And this is the same woman that raised me. Standing, we stood in welfare lines together, only because of this great company and the grace of God you know, in America, uh, can you go from a welfare line with a woman to she's retiring, you know, two decades before most people retire and don't have a worry in the world, uh, rides horses, you know, every day because, because of this company, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, my, my wife, you know, uh, has, is able to stay at home, you know, with our children. Uh, we're able to, we've lived in Florida. We've had multiple, you know, homes. We've traveled the country. I was able to uh, go to Spain, go to Italy, take my kids to to meet uh, my dad's side of the family from Venezuela who moved to Spain. I mean, that ain't cheap. You try putting seven people on a plane, you know, and taking them to all these different places to have these experiences, uh, just opportunities that, that I would never, ever in a million years think that I would have from the money that I'm able to give to people to driving a Rolls Royce, you know, from his, from his 
deep in your heart as you could get to as shallow and stupid as you get. I can care <laughs> less about this car. You know what I mean? People, you could take this car today from me and I will sleep nine hours tonight and can give a shit less. I don't care <laughs> about the car. I like it though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I like the black badge with the, with the blue guts inside. <laughs> I enjoy it, but you could take the keys tomorrow and I won't miss a beat. You uh-huh. know what I mean? I don't, I don't love it to where it makes me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just, I just enjoy it. So this company has been able to give me everything from, from character how to be a good husband, how to be a good father, to financially provide me the resources to, to impact other people, including my own family. Amazing. Amazing, yeah. And Honestly, we talk about all this money, too, and I just want to say thanks to you, Simon, and thanks to you, Spencer. Like, you guys are the two hardest-working people I know, bar none. And so it could We're laboring happen. on Labor Day We're together. We're laboring <laughs> on Labor Day together. Yes, sir. This isn't even labor. I love my Let's go. no work. I love my job. Amen. So I'm just living and serving <laughs> the Lord, really. But... So it, there, it's no, there, the secret is there's no secret. What, Mike Tomlin, right? You just educated that, us on Monday, last Monday, some Sorry. Tomlinism there. Let's go Steelers. Standard is the standard. <laughs> the standard is the standard. Sorry. But you guys are up every single day, 5 a.m. You're sacrificing time with your family here in Florida to spend it with us, pour into us, make us better people. And, you're, and then the money comes in afterwards. So I just want to say thank you guys there. And, the fact that Spencer can do it, I mean, it's different when we see because, you know, you're 40 years old, you're grown, you have a ton of experience, but I just want to say thanks to Spencer here. The engine on you is just, I can't even put it into words. <laughs> and so if you're watching this right now, you genuinely will be, you know, shown a whole different side of a, of human beings. And it's like it's elite level division one athlete caliber discipline that you bring to the team that you lead us with. And I know where you're going and I know where you're going. Cause you guys make it clear, but you make it clear with your actions consistently day in and day out. And I just wanted to say thank you here on this public platform for that. So oh, thank you. Thanks coach. Amen. Simon, I got, I got something that could uh, benefit people listening. So when I was coming into this and I told my parents, so I came into this when I was still in community college, it was my second year of community college. And uh, my cousin Mark was bringing me in, obviously. But for people that don't know that, my cousin Mark was here for two years bringing me in. And he said, for two years straight, if you spend as much time as you spend in the gym in this business, you would easily make six figures your first year and just up and up from there because he knew I was a hard worker. And if I got obsessed with something, that's just what it was. I was obsessed with it. And I finally was like, you know what? I'm dropping out of school and I'm doing this. And I told my mom and she thought it was a joke. Like she was like, she literally just laughed. So to avoid arguing, I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to let her think it's a joke, but I'm leaving. Like I'm leaving from Pittsburgh, going to Florida in two weeks. She'll have to figure it out the day of. And then like the the day before I had a sit down conversation with my parents because I was telling them like, yo, I'm out of here tomorrow. Like I'm doing this. I'm dropping out of school and they didn't support it. My dad was like, look, he, I remember the quote still, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, then it's probably a duck. And to me, this looks like an Italian dude with tattoos, probably running an illegal organization, blah, blah, blah. So that's probably what it is. And I'm s- still sitting there thinking he just doesn't know what he's talking about. God bless him. He'll figure it out in a couple of years when I'm paying for everything. <laughs> but basically, I didn't listen to him because I was stubborn enough to be like, whatever. They'll just have to find out the hard way. But what would your advice be? Because I know that happens to a ton of people when they're trying to get into this. Most. Yeah, most people. Most people never get support. And their parents parents. don't understand. They don't support. They're telling them, no, 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 stay in school, get a better job. What's your advice to people like that? First off, you know, my advice is as a parent myself, um, 
I can understand people's reservation getting into a business that's non-traditional. Um, and, and I never get mad at those people. I'm never like, you know, talking bad about the parents. And this isn't to be politically correct behind the microphone. Like, mm-hmm. this is what I feel. You know, I never have uh, ill will towards the parents that feel that way because how I've learned to work with people is I always try to put myself in their shoes, not in their shoes from what I know. Cause if I'm in your shoes from what I know, I tell everybody I, now I know I would coach my kids to be entrepreneurs. I'm not coaching my kids to whatever. So everybody else in America, most people are taught uh, to get a job. Everybody in America is taught to be workers. Very rarely are you taught to be an entrepreneur. Very, very rarely are you taught to, matter of fact, you're looked down upon to say that you want to do entrepreneurial things. Entrepreneurial things have no guarantees. That that if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you're not know, tell people, if they give you a floor, they're going to give you a ceiling. Mm-hmm. So the floor is the salary, and the ceiling is the limit of the amount of money that you can earn. And and there's um, that's no knock to people that I'm just – you got to understand the game in order to choose the right game that you want to play. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to play that game. I wanted to play a game that was unlimited. I, I played sports. Nobody came to me and said, you're on a salary. You know, you're going to get two snaps for every series, regardless of how you work. That's the most amount of downs that you could play. I wouldn't want to play. I want to have an opportunity to start. And if I blow it, I want the opportunity to sit my ass on the bench. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. But it's up to me. You know what I mean? My grades, nobody gave me a salary for my grades. You earn your A's, you earn your B's, you earn your C's. I didn't go in and say, you know what? Just give me a 3.0. Treat me fairly. I'll show up twice a week. We'll just settle on a 3.0. Give me a salary. Mm-hmm. No, you earn it. It's only when you get into business. The, the whole school system is, is, is geared towards making you be a person that works for somebody else and, and, and has a job. Mm-hmm. And so most people's mindset and parent, even my whole family, you know, it's like you, you're supposed to go to school, get a job, get an education, get out, have a 401k, you know, benefits and work to your 65 and retire. And anything outside of that would be categorized as non-traditional. And so when you get into the non-traditional things as a parent, your job is to protect your, your, your kids. You want to protect your family and, and protect your kids from pain and from making mistakes. And so most parents are just trying to you know, they want their kids to take a pain-free, you know, a- approach and and not make mistakes and, you know, take a non-traditional or a tr- more traditional route. So I never get upset, you know, with, with, with that. Um, I just learned that most of the time it's the rebels um, that lead the world. You know, it's, it's, it's the, what do you think Elon Musk was talking about? You know, can you imagine Elon Musk as a 22-year-old, 23-year-old? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the people that started Facebook? You know, as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, the people that change the world, you know, look at the presidents, look at, you know, it's like a lot of these folks that start businesses and change the game, change the world, uh, electric cars or, you know, or this and that. I think half of the millionaires in the, in the country uh, are, are never have a college education. You know what I mean? I'm a college graduate. I'm not hating on people that graduate from college. I'm, I'm just saying that you don't have to do that. And especially now in 2023, soon to be 20, you know, 24, people are racking up all kinds of debt, you know, for four or five years of school. 
you're coming out, you know, if you go 40,000 a year for five years or four years, you got $200,000 in debt, $150,000 in debt, Mm -hmm. and you still have no experience. Now, when you come out, you still got to get experience. Everybody wanted two years experience for me for the jobs that I really thought that I wanted. Mm -hmm. They wanted two years experience. So now I got to rack up the debt. I got to do the four years. Now I got to get to two years experience. That's by the time you're, that's 25, 26 years old. And, and, and by the time you're 26 years old, imagine what you're going to do. I'm not even going to say it over to my, just imagine what you're, what you would accumulate mm. from the, from the time you started to the time that you're 26 years old, not to mention the experience, you know what I mean? That, that you're going to gain. And so what I would tell those people is it's not for everybody. If, if you are not, and, and also if you, if you're going to take a risk, the best time to take a risk on yourself is as young as possible. Because you can recover. If, if you're 40 years old taking risks, you're taking a bigger risk. Mm. Uh, if you got a wife and three kids, you're taking a risk. You're betting on four or five people's lives, not one. It's okay if I'm 22 taking a risk and I got to live with three. I got three roommates and I can keep expenses low and I'm betting on myself for a couple years. What's the real risk here? Mm. What am I risking? Not my children. You know what I mean? Not my wife. Yep. I'm, I'm risking. I'm, I got a couple roommates. We're going to have fun for a couple years like we did in college. You know, I would have in college, except we're going to make some money in the process and I'm going to get some experience. But what's the real risk? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's the older that you get, the people that kick themselves is they get too far down the line. And now they, they're like, man, this ain't what are, really what I want to do. I want to I want to do more. I want to do bigger. I want to do better. But now I'm making 100 grand. And I don't know if I want to walk away from making a hundred grand to go take a risk and bet on myself because I got a mortgage, because I got cars, I got credit cards. And now it's a little bit tougher to take that risk. And so I would tell you, take the damn risk while you're young, whether it's this business or another business, the time to take a risk is young. And the older that you get, the more expensive that it gets. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the, that's the one thing I would say. And then the other thing that, that I would say is make sure that you got it in you. <laughs> some people working is better for them. Some people getting a job is better for them. You got to know your personality. You know, if you're somebody that that would rather take orders, you know, more consistently and and you don't need an unlimited, you know, income, you'd rather have summers off, you know, weekends off, off at four o'clock every day, you know, all, no stress, you know, all that stuff, probably better to just take the role of, of a job. But really, the you know, when people don't want to take the, the commission stuff, they do so because of security, when really the only security is when you take matters into your own hands. You, you'll find people that actually the security that they thought was there because they bet on they're, they're, they're following somebody else's dreams and they're getting a paycheck. Those people get laid off. Those people lose their jobs. Those people, somebody else is in control. And then they, they really don't have the security that they sought for. Mm-hmm. The more security that you seek the less opportunity and the less in the less uh, security down the road. Sometimes you end up having the more you seek opportunity, the more security that you end up providing for yourself. Cause it's like, yeah, I'm in control. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm in control. Nobody's going to do this. Nobody's going to do that. And so that would be the advice or something that I would say is like, yeah, it might not be for you, you know, but if you're ambitious and you're like, I want to be on my own merit, I want to be in control I want to be able to control my own schedule. I think the American dream, what everybody, most people want, is they want to have their cake and eat it too. And then you've had pe- you hear people say, well, why have the cake if I can't eat it, right? Mm-hmm. You should want to have your cake and eat it too. And I think to have your cake and eat it too 
is to have money and time both. Mm-hmm. And, but when you try to chase both at the same time, you don't get it. It's like what I always say, you know, the man that chases two rabbits at the same time catches none. Yep. The old Chinese proverb. I'm trying to chase having this balance and all this time in my life, but I also want to have all this money. You can't, you can't usually get both. But you can have time down the road if you chase the opportunity right now to build. When you fast forward life in five years, ten years, you can have the best of both worlds that comes with balance. And you don't have to trade one for the other to where it's, all right, I got a bunch of time, but I'm broke. Mm. Or I got a bunch of money, but I don't have any time. You can obtain both of those if you're willing to put up, put, put in the work up front. Yep. Make sense? Makes sense. Could you also touch on, because something that was huge for me, and like this was just me learning from someone wise like yourself, teaching me how to think because I've never heard this, I've never been taught this. So on top of that same question for new people that their parents are telling them, stay in school, get a secure job, blah, blah, blah. I remember learning from whether it was you or Mark, be careful who you take advice from and thinking of it like, okay, I'm coming into business because I want to make I want to make money, and my mom doesn't make much money. It's certainly not what I want to make, and neither does my dad. But this guy does, and he's telling me to do this. But the people that don't make the money are telling me to do this. And I learned, like, when it comes to money advice, maybe I should listen to the person that makes the money. Not saying I completely disregard my parents on everything, because they're amazing people, been married for 20-plus years. They got a bunch of good wisdom to give me. But maybe not just career advice. So, like, could you further explain your opinions on that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you'll hear me say try not to take it, it too much advice from people that you wouldn't want to trade places with. Mm-hmm. And then you always got devil's advocate. Well, you can learn from a bum, and you can learn. That's true. Yep. That's true. I, you can learn. I, could, I found old men on the side of the road, you know, that look like they're down on their luck, and, and I spent five minutes with them in the rain, you know, and they've given me some wisdom. Uh, but outside of, of, of a couple small percentage, small moments, I think you should look at life and say, I'm going to try to take advice from people that I would want to trade places with or be in that area of my life. And not everybody is qualified in every single area of life. So I'm not going to take marriage advice from my fitness trainer necessarily. Right. I'm not going to take business advice from my marriage counselor necessarily. I'm not going to take uh, jujitsu lessons from my boss in business, right? You, you, those things people laugh at, but then when it comes to life, they do the dumb shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're listening yeah. <laughs> to this one-size-fits-all approach, and Uncle Joe is, is the one that's giving everybody advice out here, and he ain't done nothing in all those areas. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. be married. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. give me some marriage advice. You've been married for 45 years. Talk to me about that. I can learn from that. You know what I mean? Right. But if I'm trying to be a millionaire and you're not, I got to learn from a millionaire. Right. If, if, if I'm trying to be married and you've been divorced five times, you may be a great person, but I'm not going to get marriage advice over <laughs> there. And, and so I think people start just, they just want to listen to, to whoever and make those people proud and listen in that moment. So I, I'm not saying don't listen to your parents. I'm a parent. Right. Of three. You know what I mean? That's not what I'm going to be on the mic saying because it's not what I believe. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just saying whoever you take your advice from, you need to make sure they're qualified to give you advice in that area of your life. 
and don't be afraid to go against the grain a little while. Mm. Uh, the people that end up changing the world oftentimes are the ones that are misunderstood and they go against the grain. It's if it's in your soul and it's in your spirit to do a certain thing. Sometimes you got to just do, you know, whatever that thing is. I'm not going to force my kids to, to, to go to college. Mm. I'm not. And I'm a college graduate. I, I, it dep- I'm going to look at every kid and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to see where they're at. And I'm going to give them advice based on what their personality is, what their situation is, and what they think that they're going to do down, down the road. My mm-hmm. grandmother almost had a heart attack when she heard me say that, but I'm not, I'm not going to force them to do anything. Um, a lot of my friends, you know, and to each their own, you know, I don't think I'm right all the time. I don't think somebody else is necessarily wrong. It's, 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 it's up to you. I think that I can't give only advice in that area to somebody because I'm not going to tell them, you know, everybody don't listen to your parents because you may need to listen to your parents because it might, you might not have the heart for it. Right. You know what I mean? It might not be right for you. I think if it's right for you, you'll find that spirit in yourself to do what you are meant to do and called to do. And if, if that's what you're called to do, then you're going to, then you're going to do it. And if not, that's fine too. You know, I've, I've had people that, they came in after they graduated or, right. you know, they've done it for three years and like then they big came bro in. right there. There you go. Come on. You know, so I, I think it's not a one size fits all approach. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. 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 Here's something that everybody can take advice from on your part as well. And it double back to the question before about security and salary. <laughs> can you speak a little bit on residual income and you know how that works in the insurance industry and specifically here with Globe Life, American Income Life, and yep. various organizations. Yeah, because a lot of people don't even – I didn't know what that was coming in here when I found out about it. I know we're running out of time, so I got to try to be uh, – you know, I, I'm passionate, so I get long-winded about each one of these subjects. So I, I'm going to tell you it's, it's getting equity, a percentage of ownership over all the policies, all the people that get enrolled into the, the benefits or into the life insurance – uh, everybody on your team. So if I have a hundred people on my team, every time they make a sale there, we're going to get a percentage. You're going to get a percentage of whatever, when they renew, they pay a monthly fee, they pay a monthly amount to have their policy. And every time they make a monthly amount, you own a percentage of it and you get a percentage of, you know, let's call it more than half of anyone on your team. When you're in a leader, a uh, high leadership role, you get more than half of the residuals, not out of their renewals, but in addition to everybody on your team. So if I have a hundred people on my team, whatever they get in the form of residuals earned, I'm going to get more than half of that coded to my name for the rest of the lifetime of that policy. Not my lifetime. It gets passed on to my children and my children's children for the lifetime of that policy. And it doesn't cost me anything. That's why I originally liked the real estate industry is because I understood the concept of, oh man, I like that I can own the rent, own the place, and then people have to pay me rent where really it's passive income coming in that doesn't take me anything to do. That's why I like the real estate industry. I didn't realize, that's why I say the grace of God, I didn't realize the insurance industry had it and the insurance industry had it even better. That it didn't cost me a nickel. You know, if I had to, if I had, if I wanted to get 10000 a month in the, in the real estate industry, passively, you know, typically I would probably need uh, $1.5 million in paid off real estate to get me a cash on cash return of $120,000, you know, a year annually. Um, 
anywhere from 1.2 to 1.5 million. And so that means I got to make that much money. I got to pay taxes already on that money. I got to live on, on whatever money. And I would have had to save and invest that amount of money in order to get that amount of money in return. And now we have people that are earning, you know, six figures a month in renewals, not per year in per month in residuals. We got new people getting nine, $10,000 a month, like Bennett, you know, right now he's been here for 24 months. He's getting $9,000, a year in renewals. That would have costed that. He would have had to save up $1.2 million, a million dollars and, and put it into real estate to get that type of passive income. And that's what he's getting without ever going to work. And so I would couple it to, you know, if I'm a bartender and I'm giving this bottle of water or I'm giving this soda and, you know, whatever, everything that left my bar, imagine if they gave me a percentage of it for the rest of my life or you know, I'm selling cars, every car that left the dealership, they give me a percentage of that person's monthly payment for the rest of their life. But a car you pay on for five years and you're done or six years and you're done on this life insurance, they're paying it for the rest of their life. So they're paying on it five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And you get to the point where you're an old man like me and you start enrolling people that are the same age or younger, you know, than you 25 years old, 30 years old, you know, you're 40 years old chances are possibly the people may outlive you. So I may be, you know, I'm, I'm 80 years old. These people are 60 years old, 70 years old. They're still paying on their policy. They're going to pay for the next 40 years. They're going to pay for the next, you know, 30 years. And we're going to earn residuals all while, all while helping people. We're not hurting anybody. The, the, we, we have, we pay a certain amount of death claims. Like I open up the meetings all the time and say, here's a, it's, it looks like a telephone book. Here's all the people that died this month. Unfortunately, the good thing is here's all the money that we paid out to these people. Oh, life insurance, this life insurance, that every month I got 27 year old people that their mother are, are, are grateful that we're giving them $400,000 and they got two kids. What were those two kids going to do if they didn't have life insurance? We're giving them a tax-free $400,000 or tax-free $200,000 to a family that's middle income and don't have $200,000 set aside. So not only are we making a lot of money in the industry where people have that opportunity, but you can feel good about it. You know, when you go to bed, because you're actually helping somebody with something that they need. Right. Oh, bless. We got time for one more. Yeah, go ahead, big bro. Hop on the mic. This will be for both you and Simon, but when you guys are recruiting people, what are some characteristics you're looking for where you know if they have those characteristics, they'll be probably pretty successful in this business? Who's that for? Me and Both you. Both of you guys. You can go they got to be sick want. of hearing from me. Go, Spence. <laughs> All right. I'm still interested what you would what you would say, too. But for uh, the ideal person, when I'm, when I'm building a team and who I think would do the best and what results have shown these type of people do the best, a couple of them, former military people, because they're super disciplined, they understand how to work hard, and a lot of times they might not uh, make a lot of money in the military. So if you can show them, here's where you can make a ton of money with your discipline and help a lot of people and provide to a lot of people that you care about, because they obviously care about people, they can kill it in this industry, and a ton of them do. There's a ton of millionaires in the company, Simon, correct, that are former oh, yeah. military. Oh, yeah. So military people, um, I would say athletes, former college athletes, and especially D3 or D2 athletes because, um, you know, they've worked hard their whole life. They got somewhere, but they don't have a huge ego. Not that D1 people aren't going to kill it. My cousin Mark was D1 football for Pitt. He kills it. But I like get like, like D2 athletes just because they feel like they got something to prove. There's people doing better than them in the D1, but this is going to 
give them an opportunity past college sports where they can use their competitiveness and everything like that to still perform and pass people up in the world and just become better and feel good about themselves. And then the last thing, me personally being one, I like hiring them because I know they're all in is just people that have dropped out of college or are willing to drop out of college and go all in on something because you have no plan B, like you don't have a degree. So I can't go get some job at the bank. They would laugh me off the floor, which is a great thing because when this business got hard, when I was new, I didn't even have the option to quit because where am I going? I couldn't go anywhere except like McDonald's. So I'm like, I'm just going to figure this out. So I love having people on my team like that because no plan B, if you put enough time into this, it's going to work if you're doing it the right way. Just like uh, Simon says, one of, one of the successful people in the company when you were new told you just last. So like if you don't have a degree, you got no plan B, you're going to just last and it's going to end up working out if you keep on the time in. So those Guys, would be my three. I, I mean, athletes, you know, rugby, wrestling, you know, people that have had uh, discipline to where things got difficult and they had to persevere uh, in them, you know, military, sports, but not always. You know, there's, I got, we got people, you know, I can name some names, you know, that were not athletes, you know, at all. So I think if I look at just traits, you know, of the people, it's coachability, positive attitude, um, strong work ethic, and desire to be above average, you know, if if you're coming here, I tell people it's not about the money. It's it's just, if you're coming here and you can care less and you just want to make sixty thousand a year, this is too hard of a job. You can go find something else to make fifty sixty easier. This is where people need to they they have to want to come in here and say I'm coming here to make two fifty. I'm coming in here to make six figures year number one. I'm coming here in in here. I want to make a million dollars. And it's not about the money. It's just you have to want to be beyond average and to be special in order to like what we do here because this is a rewarding business when you get through the obstacles and adversity, which is really just the work. You know, if if you want to work nine to five, I could show you an easy 40-hour work week where we can get you paid, you know, 50 grand a year. I tell people this is the hardest $50,000 a year job you can ever have and the easiest $250,000 a year job that you could ever have in your life. Yep. And so you got to want to come here for the easy 250, mm -hmm. the easy 500. You know, the people that you see making 20 grand in a week, you know, you're looking at like, I want that life. You know what I mean? Traveling to Europe, traveling to Italy, driving a nice car, working out, getting a tan, pretty girlfriend, <laughs> going to dinner, you know, all that. I, I want that life. Yeah, you do. But that person started on the grind yeah. in the cubicle, making some calls, you know what I mean? Making a thousand calls, all that stuff. And so if you're coming for the 50,000 and that's what you want, this ain't going to be it. You're going to hate it. It's going to be, it's not worth the, the, the grind. But if you want the 250, if you want the 500, you want the 800, you want the million, you're going to look, you're going to wake up one day and say, oh my God, pinch me. Am I alive? How have I got to work and live in the American dream at American income with no college degree? And we ain't hating on the degrees. I'm a graduate. He's a graduate. And we got he's the fraternity graduate. president in the house in <laughs> Jakey T, the president of the fraternity in here. Okay. So you're the odd man out with no <laughs> yeah. degree, brother. But, but you're in a, in a position where you get to live that life and have an unbelievable schedule and an unbelievable life. 
because you wanted to be above average and you wanted to go all in. And those are the folks that I think do the best here is the people that are like, man, I want all that life has. I know there got to be more. I know there has to be more for me than $70,000 a year. I know there has to be more for me than me being capped off and them telling me I got to sit behind this boss that I know I'm better than for the next five years to get a 5% raise. I know there got to be more. I want to take this into my own hands. Those people are the ones that end up, you know, making it here. Right. Cool. I think we got time for one more, and this is kind of just broad. But uh, could you explain the – because some people are like, what's Arius organization? What's Globe Life? Like, how's that all work? I thought it was Arius, but you're telling me it's Globe Life. You know what I mean? Yep. Could you explain how that works? Because it was confusing to me when I was coming in too. Absolutely. So – you know, for, and I, I look at you were saying, yeah, my dad said, well, if it quacks like a duck, you know, you look like Italian, you got these tattoos and all that. Man, I knew these tattoos was going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I wanted these tattoos so bad, so bad I wanted tattoos. And I never, if you look at my, if you look at my um, trajectory and my, all of my old pictures, you know, I, I, I never took my tattoos past my elbows until I got to like my mid-30s. I went crazy. You know, my mid thirties, I got sleeved up, but I wanted them since I was young, but I knew people would judge you. I I know that people are going to look at you from the outside in and say, you look like a duck. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) With those tattoos, that's a duck. You know what I mean? And I'm, and, 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 and I'm not a duck. You know what I mean? I just got tattoos and, 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 and I think people judge and, and I get it. You know, it's human nature to judge. I have to fight myself to not judge because some of some of the greatest people that I've ever met on this planet and not all but some of the greatest people that I've ever met on this planet got big long beards or they got long hair or they got tattoos or they got a gold chain and the world will look at them and say they're bad he's bad or she's bad when really they're just doing what you wish you would do and just be yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And do what you do what you want to do. And so I waited. I waited, Spence. I waited until I was like 12 years in the business to say, all right, I think people all know you're a nice guy. People all know you're not a gangster. They all know they know they know you're from Youngstown, so they suspect that you yeah. might have some gangster roots to you. <laughs> but 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 they all know that that what that you that you do the right thing. They know your character, and so it's safe finally for you to go ahead and get yourself these tattoos. And I got these tattoos, and they was coming after me, brother. <laughs> oh, they was pictures of me with the tattoos on and everything else, man. But I, I get it, I get it. Um, but I would globe life. Shout out to Globe Life. I love uh, Globe Life and the stability that they provide for our organization. More life insurance policy holders than any other insurance company in the nation. Uh, Texas Rangers Stadium, Globe Life Park, Globe Life Stadium, official life insurance company of the Dallas Cowboys. Globe Life, 100 years. That's like grandpa. Grandpa, Globe Life. You know, that's our family. That's that's that. And then then dad is American income Mm -hmm. and mom, mom and dad. And then, and then we are Arius organization, the yep. grandkids, you know what I mean, of, of Globe Life. So our, our, uh, we are owned, uh, American Income is a wholly owned uh, subsidiary of Globe Life organization. American Income makes up 40, 50% of all of the Globe is a holdings company, and they own multiple insurance company. Um, 
from Family Heritage to Liberty National uh, to Globe, American Income. They have a bunch of different insurance companies. And out of those, we are LeBron James. We are the we are the Alabama, you know, we are the MVPs of yep. that. And within American Income, uh, we're, we, we are currently the largest uh, independently, individually owned organization under that umbrella and second largest uh, in the entire uh, American income. And I believe all of globe life, you know, um, uh, umbrella and uh, only second to somebody that, that started uh, that has been around their, their organization over 40 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have about 15 since, since uh, inception right. uh, since we started. So, Started from the bottom, now we here. Yes, sir. We, we started from the bottom, now we here with Big Bruh, Spencer Cose, and all his quads, and the <laughs> fraternity president, Jakey T, Come on. in the house. And I'm grateful that y'all would have me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.